listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready. We've long and This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 89 of our listener feedback show, Sci-Fi Diner Conversations. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are missing M tonight. Yeah. Uh, and missing it. Uh, she has this thing with her throat and tonsils. And you know what, Em? I thought that I would help make this problem easier. You don't even need to wait till November to go to the doctor. Miles and I are going to take care of it right now. They're all better now. All better now. Em? Yeah. Now, now we've we've able to make an incision and and, and cauterize the uh, right the, the wound. wound. So now yeah. your throat should feel better. So next podcast you'll be you'll be back and you'll be fine. Yeah. Just just use that burn cream and on on right right. We'll, we'll, it'll make it all go away. Right. It'll be better. <laughs> Lots of ice cream too. Yes. Yeah. That'll work. Um, mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, we're missing Em tonight. She cannot be with us. She's not feeling real well. So keep your thoughts and uh, prayers. Send them her direction. Um, so, uh, Miles, how you been doing, man? Uh, pretty good. Um, my wife and I just got back from a little vacation. Um, did the Water Country USA thing in the beach for a little while. Uh, Sci-Fi World uh, recently purchased a Dayton Ward Star Trek novel. It's called... Um, from uh, History's uh, Shadow, and uh, oh, I saw that one. I saw that he was—he's been touting that. Mm-hmm. So, start, start reading that. I'm, I'm really enjoying that right now. Uh, also enjoying uh, Under the Dome. And what's the premise of From History's Shadow? It borrows a little bit from uh, inter- an episode of Enterprise. There's a Vulcan character. Um, it, it takes place right after the Enterprise had this mission where they went back in time to 1968 and they met up with Gary Seven and the events that happened after them. And now they're back in their, their time. And then when they, when they discover there's two, um, there's a security breach, there's, there's two life forms. There's an alien, which I, I can't, don't, don't remember the name of, but there's also a Vulcan. And that Vulcan character, he was on an episode of Enterprise. Um, I think it was the one with, on Colt Creek. Um, so I just started reading that um, so it kind of goes back and forth to the Enterprise, original series Enterprise, and the 20th century. So, um, but yeah, I uh, always enjoy Dayton's novels, and I'm sure I'm going to just have a good time reading this. You know, we need to have an excuse to have him back in the show again. He would do it. I, I, know he would. I would yeah, talk yeah, talk about his books and just talk about what's going on with D- in Dayton's world. So we'll yeah, say, we'll have to make that happen sometime. Mm-hmm. Dayton's a great guy. If you haven't read it, if you haven't read any of Dayton's books, he's he's a really good writer. You've got to know him through the years. Yeah, we've gotten known through through just him being a guest on our podcast, and uh, him and his, and his writing partner Kevin Dillmore would uh, come to the uh, Shore Leave conventions. So. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. 
No, my sci-fi world, I am continuing my trek through Deep Space Nine. Absolutely continuing to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran I ran across what perhaps is one of my favorite standalone episodes. Ties into the whole Dominion arc that's going on, but it's the episode with Iggy Pop. Oh, okay. So, and um, uh, I, you know, he has such a distinct voice mm-hmm. um, that he spoke. I knew it was him the moment it left his mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, just knew it was him. And so, uh, and that's, it's a total, and I was like, I nearly bypassed the episode. There's been a few episodes I said, eh, some of them are the Frankie episodes. I'm just, for some reason, sometimes they just created me. Some people but, just love them or, or hate them. There's but a, this yeah. was a great Frankie mm-hmm. episode. Magnificent Frankie, yeah. And um, just uh, phenomenal. So I, I've been watching that, continuing my trek along that. Uh, and that's been, that was, that's been kind of an interesting uh, plot. I'm about halfway through season six now, which mm-hmm. means I have a season and a half to go. And then I got to go to Enterprise in the original series and I'm done. I forgot to say, I sh- um, I'm still working my way through uh, Eureka. I'm, I'm now into season two. Okay. You know, so you're not, not quite as fast as Stargate. Maybe not as fast <laughs> as Stargate, but uh, I, I, it's still respectable. I'm, you know, I'm halfway yeah, through season two right now. Still working your way through it. You know, that's about all I've been watching. Um, I watched a little bit of segment of Transformers, the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife was in the hospital. Some of you know that from Facebook, and she's home now, and she's fine, but it it made for a very interesting weekend, Labor Day weekend here for us. Sure. Um, I, the other thing I'm doing is I finished The Hunt, The Great Hunt, or The Hunt for the Horn. It's the second book in the Robert Jordan Wheel of Time series. I finished that in about two weeks. Hmm. This is a 30, 40-hour audiobook. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was motoring through it. I, anytime I had a chance, I was listening to it. And I would be in book three if it weren't for David Moulton, who said... Oh, we ought to we ought to get together and discuss um, the Dune the Dune series. Well, that's like a gazillion books too, um, but there's a uh, something something jihad, the very first book chronologically in the series, and that's the book I'm going through right now. Mm-hmm. And I of course don't know it. I can look it up on my little iPhone here because it would tell me it was called Dune the Butlerine Jihad. Hmm. Totally mispronouncing that. Sorry, Raul. Um, but that is the that's what I'm reading, and it's. Way it's like it's like way pre Dune. You see, like them them first trying to ride the worm. You you get to see them um, kind of the political stuff and the whole uh, rise up against technology that they had, and kind of gives you some background in that. So, have you read any of the Dune books? I, I have not. Um, You've seen the Dune movies. I, I've not see, seen the Dune movies either. Um, so you you're like totally a Dune virgin. Uh, I I I know very I, all I know about Dune is that Patrick Stewart was in the first movie. Oh, really? See, I didn't and, even know that. And, and Sting. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, my favorite of them is not the first movie, but I do like the Sci-Fi Channel series movie <laughs> that they put out. The okay, series was really really rocking. Now, is that a prequel to the original? The, the movie came out, or is it or is the, the one I'm reading now? Is a prequel? It takes place way before. Okay, the original trilogy that Frank Herbert put out. Mm-hmm. So. Anyways, so uh, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Let's get into some listener feedback. Mm -hmm. And uh, let me, I'll I'll read this one. You can get the next one here then. Um, So this is uh, from Andre David, who writes and says, Hey, guys and gal, how are you doing? I've been listening to you guys for a long while, even longer than the sci-fi Christian and Strangers and Aliens. 
Uh, have you heard about the podcast Strangers and Aliens? That's a new one. I have not. Yeah, got to check it out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but only now I decide to show myself. I first started listening to you guys when I was a listener of the Movies You Should See podcast and, and company. But after a while, I looked for a cleaner and safer podcast, and then I found you guys. It's been about four years, I guess. So that's almost from the beginning. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is. Uh, you guys are awesome. You never let me down, and your interviews are simply awesome. I just read M's page that she's a daughter of a Brazilian mother. Does she speak Portuguese? I'm Brazilian and lived in Anaheim, California for 10 years, from July 97 to 2007. Uh, and then he says something here in Portuguese that I'm not even going to attempt. M did reply to him, so I don't feel bad about that. Maybe <laughs> M can translate that for you guys. Right. Uh, I was just in a conversation with Ben Avery about Elysium. Um, and I think that Neil um, Blockcamp might have exaggerated the political aspect with this movie. What do you guys think? I totally think that Oblivion is a better movie than Elysium. Rock on, guys. I listen to your podcast almost every day. And M is awesome. What a nice voice. Miravala Villa. I totally, totally botched it up. Sorry about that, uh, Andre. But thank you, Andre, for giving us this little note. And um, so, loving that M has been a longtime listener. We really appreciate you sticking with us through these years. Oh, Hopefully I, I, we've grown and gotten better along the way. Yeah, I hope we have. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he asked a very good question. He said, this whole thing, did you see Elysium? We, we, uh, yes, my and wife you and I saw just... Oblivion. I have not seen Oblivion yet. I have not seen Oblivion either, but mm-hmm. um, tell me, you're, he's saying that it was a, do you think he over-exaggerated the political aspect of the movie? It's hard, it's hard to say. I mean, exaggerate. Um, all I will say is that there, there is definitely, it is definitely making a political statement. There is social commentary in this movie with the whole, um, you know, the, the haves, the have-nots. Um, do you think it's too overt? I mean, is he is he kind of clubbing you over the head with it, or is it just does it fit into the movie? Here's what I like: I mm-hmm. like when a movie or a book, for that matter, when they have that the socio political stuff in there, mm-hmm. but they do it in such a way that it's it's there if you get begin discussing the book, but doesn't bang you over the head like "Look at me, I'm socio political." Yeah, I, I would I would say probably. Um, uh, Adam is right here. Uh, that Andre, I mean, Andre is right. Um, yeah, it, 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 there, there is definitely, they're definitely preaching to you with this, because, yeah. especially with the, with the background being Los Angeles, a lot of the extra characters being Mexicans. Definitely, what's going on with this country, the whole immigration thing. Uh, so, I still like the movie, but yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying, Andre. There's definitely, it, it is a bit heavy-handed with, so, with so the message. So for you, even though that's overtly sociopolitical, it didn't detract from you enjoying no, I mean, watching the story of the movie play out. Because there's a lot of Star Trek. I mean, that I would say, th- this is the issue we're presenting, and this is the side we're taking, this is the side you should take. Um, Battlestar Galactica, on the other hand, if I compare it, this is the issue we're exploring, we're going. We're going to explore from both sides, and oh yeah, um, at the end, we're, we're not telling you which side to pick. You decide for yourself. Yeah. Which I almost, I almost like that better. I, I, bang, yeah, me bang. too. Yeah, so. I mean, so there, you're, there's ways to address social commentary, and 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 good sci-fi is social commentary. But may, maybe for storytelling purposes, maybe it would have. I don't know if it, maybe a little more ambiguous, but it was there was no ambiguity with this this movie. <laughs> okay, so you, no confusing where they stood. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you, you're definitely told who, who who you need to side with and who you need to side yeah, against. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Andre, thank you so much for uh, sending us a message on Facebook. It came through, and I uh, really appreciate that. And uh, 
Maybe we'll have to have you on the show sometime. Sure. Of course, him and Em would go at it. And we'd be like, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, you know, just, like, just don't start speaking Spanish or Portuguese because that's I, I, you're going to lose me. I, nah. I'm, not, I'm not bilingual, so. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, why don't you uh, read this nice little email we got from Neil. Neil, thank you for writing in. So, hi, gang. I wanted to give you a, a quick sh- shout after listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Conversations 88. One of your listeners mentioned uh, on, on Basilic st- Station, the first book in the, in the Honor Harrington series by David Weber was free on Kindle. First off, I'd like to throw in my two cents about this series. Uh, Honor Harrington is an amazing, strong, intelligent female commanding officer. And going back to M's Sci-Fi 5 at 5, the inspirational, iconic female characters, I was practically yelling at my iPhone that it's a crime that Honor is on the list. Okay, I'm not really yelling at an inanimate object kind of guy, but, but it's a nice image. <laughs> so David Weber takes a, a, a naval combat and transposes it into space in a pretty realistic manner. If a torpedo strikes the bridge, expect the crew to do more than sway back and forth. He also takes the old world Europe naval traditions and the political scheming and classism behind those traditions and transposes them into space. The best parallel I can provide is the classic Horatio Hornblower series by C.S. Forrester, which were brought to, to the screen by uh, A&E and PBS, which starred uh, Mr. Fantastic uh, Ian uh, Gr- Griffold. I'm not sure if I pronounced his name right. In one, in one interview, Lone actually said it was nice that, that fans could call out to him as Mr. Fantastic after the uh, Fantastic Four movie instead of uh, Horatio. <laughs> but I know I know who the actor you're talking about, though. It's also interesting to note that the Wikipedia indicates that uh, Gene Roddenberry was influenced by the Hornblower character while creating Star Trek characters uh, James T. Kirk and, and Jean-Luc Picard. And Nicholas Meyer, director of some of the Star Trek films, frequently cites Horatio Hornblower mm-hmm. as one of his primary influences. Okay, back to the real reason I'm e- emailing. Aside from the on Basilic station being free on Kindle, the, the publisher uh, of... Uh, Bean Books, one of the great uh, sci-fi publishers, has a ton of free ebooks in the multiple formats available on their website. I actually downloaded On Basilic Station earlier today to add to my uh, EPUB collection as part of the process of replacing my hard copy library due to space limitations. There's also another David Weber book set in the, uh, the Honorverse available free right now, and a ton of great sci-fi. Um, and there's a link, and we'll include the link in our right. show notes so you have it. And I think this this through the Sword and Laser podcast forums on Goodreads this morning. And I, I seem to recall that someone posted that they either trying to get it or have recently gotten it as a greenlit for a film. Anyways, keep up the great work, gang. Cheers, Neil. You know, here's the thing. I think a series like this, I would actually be excited about seeing brought to film. Because it is it's an epic series. It's a space series again. It's been a long time since we had, you know, space sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, other than Star Trek, right? Um, and I guess you might argue Superman, but we aren't really. Most of the sci-fi is Earth, Earth-driven sci-fi. It's Earthbound, and I could be wrong about that. What do I know? There's there was that Europa one that came out that I didn't watch. It was a bit of horror based, right? Well, I, I, M's M's list was based on movie. You know, movie genres and TV genres. Yeah, so, so it's a little bit different. So mm-hmm. it would be great to have M maybe create the recreate the list from a book standpoint, or have someone else. Maybe if she's, uh, if she doesn't feel a little strong with that, maybe someone else who's read a lot of sci-fi come up and say it's hot female characters from from, from sci-fi literature. Yeah, yeah, would be that, the other thing. That'd be a good list too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it'd be great, uh, and it's great. And thank you for pointing the direction for another. Uh, Free book. We can always use free books, right? Free, so, is, free is good. Free is good. But And David Weber, nonetheless, who is a solid writer. Um, 
I love the whole political, the, the you know, transposing something that happened in reality and putting it into a different scenario. Many times those stories do work well for us. Oh, sure. Yeah, they so, do translate well into sci-fi. So, uh, Neil, thumbs up. Thank you so much for writing in. Really mm-hmm. appreciate your thoughts on this. And, um, yeah, we'll go from there. David G. wrote in and had this to say. I just saw a very good animated movie in Amazon based on the DC Comics Flash character called Flash Paradox. Very entertaining and pretty faithful to the comics. For those of us interested in nature versus nurture in the DC universe, we see several characters in this alternate timeline who have a very different lives from the normal timeline. Some of the villains are seen fighting for good guys, with at least two Justice League members are the worst villains you could imagine. Yet some of the superheroes are still just as heroic as they were in the standard timeline, so some evidence in both sides. In some cases, the changes are unbelievable in both in scope, number of people affected, and the degree, the degree to which your character and moral compasses have changed. Worth watching, I, said, I think. Yeah, we, uh, I, I found the trailer for this. We put this on um, maybe, maybe a month or two ago, and I, I definitely want to see it. Uh, you have not seen it. I have not seen it yet. It, it, I, it's, I see it available for DVD rental. I'll probably rent it shortly. It certainly will give you a fresh take on some of your loved characters. Maybe either make you loathe the movie, make you like their original selves more, or maybe make you, maybe you like their alter egos a bit better. I, I, I'm, I'm glad David G gave us a review. I'm going. Yeah, he's he he's, he says he's loving that. So, so. I'll. De- it's definitely something I want to check out before. Now it's something I definitely want to check out even more. So. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, Let's move in to uh, what J.P. Harvey tweeted. Do you want to share that? Sure. Um, so he, uh, tw- he, I guess he tweeted at, at, at Jim Arrowwood, how it looks like at Sci-Fi Diner, I attribute to my email to you in, in conversation JD8. I'm flattered, but I'm not, sh- I'm not sure you helped my image, bro. Well, you know, here's the thing with Jim Arrowwood <laughs> and both J.P. Harvey. Both of those are very deep literary thinkers, mm-hmm. right? Right. So I think that you, we confuse one or the other. It's like, a, it's, it's, I think it's a fair mistake, right? Because, yeah. I mean, J.P., Jim Arrowwood, I mean, J.P. doesn't have that maybe sexy radio voice that Jim has, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but they both have that literary, you know, go-to letter, literary. Absolutely. Yeah, that actually works. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, Jim, I am totally sorry that I misattributed that. <laughs> Let me say that. But I'm uh, glad you guys had some fun with it. So Sure. So, um, Colin, by the way, did let me know that our John's Billings interview that we did at Farpoint mm-hmm. is on YouTube. So if you want to listen oh, to it, good. you can go there. And I thought that that's note that that note is. Mm-hmm. Well, our our next uh, our next piece of listener feedback actually comes from Jen from New York. <coughs> Jen has been a longtime listener. Oh, sure. And do you remember the very early days? Jen was calling in. I bet if you go back to like episode thirty. Of Sci-Fi Diner, you will find Jen's voice somewhere in those episodes. Mm-hmm. She's been a longtime listener, so. We're grateful for you. Yeah, we absolutely are. And so um, we're going to give her some due diligence here. She has a a, a longer voicemail, but she talks about some of the TV shows she's watching, some of the movies she's watching, and some animation she's also watching. So let's let's, uh, let's tune in and hear what Jen has to say. Uh, Hi, guys at the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Uh, Scott Miles and them. And uh, this is Jen from New York, your supernatural correspondent. And... uh, I just wanted to call in and, you know, I've been feeling kind of left out and jealous with all the geek girl love out there. You know, hey, Em, you know, I can understand, you know, she's like the voice of uh, the Sci-Fi Diner podcast as to was uh, Major Barrett Ronberry was to the Enterprise, you know, as the voice. You know, so I give you all that. So I just wanted to chime in on that. But uh, I also wanted to chime in on a few other things like the movie, some movies and TV shows I've been watching. 
And, uh, you know, also I would want to, you know, say, like, I don't know why everybody's given such a bad uh, rip to uh, Falling Skies. I thought that was pretty well done, like, this season. I've actually really liked that more than I did uh, Defiance. I mean, I know a lot of people like Defiance, and there were some things I liked about Defiance and other things I didn't. And, but as for, uh, you know, Falling Skies there, though, it's like, you know, I actually really liked it, I guess, as I said. Um, like in, and in its way, I mean, I thought, you know, even with the season finale, I thought that it kind of reminded me of the original V, how that was with the Star Child and all that, with uh, Tom's kid in the show. And, like, how at the end, like, she, like, healed the girl, like, taking the uh, bugs out of her brain there and all that stuff. So, you know, and smashing, you know, just, like, clasping her hands and, you know, smashing them to smithereens. So, you know, that part I thought was kind of funny, but, uh, <laughs> as I said, I, I really enjoyed Falling Skies, and as for, like, you know, Defiance, uh, the only thing I didn't like about it was Alyssa's, uh, attitude there, or Iris, or whatever her name is, and, uh, you know, if her attitude would have been a little bit better towards the guy Nolan, who, like, practically, like, saved her and raised her, you know, I would have felt, like, a little bit better about her, but I just, she just, I just found her so irritating throughout the whole season. I was like, I thought she was cool looking and everything, but at the same time, I'm like, why should I care about this person? And every time, like, they kept showing her, especially at the end, I'm like, okay, now is she part of the machine kind of thing at the end? So I'm like saying to myself, should I still care? You know, and especially with all the, like, hookers are kind of like upstanding citizens, too, in that town. I'm like, mm, okay. You know, there, like I said, there's some things I really like about it, and some things I'm like sort of like, meh. You know, a little bit there, too, with it. But as of those two shows, I mean, otherwise, they've been really good, I thought. And, uh, what else is there? Warehouse 13 was really good. I know, I left the way how that kind of ended. I don't know if we still have, like, second half of that season coming up, too. I think maybe a couple episodes left. But, uh, and, and let's see. What else is around? Uh, as for my, like, Teen Wolf and, uh, under the th Teen Wolf just ended its season finale. Well, mid-season finale. And that's been really good. Um, like, I've really been enjoying that show. And uh, also Under the Dome, too. I mean, I know a lot of people give it mixed reviews also, as well. And there are some things that can be a little bit better about it, and other things that, you know, are, are good. I mean, especially, like, you know, the whole mystery about what the dome is, and where it's come from, and how I'm, I, I can't believe it's, like, not aliens. Especially with that, like you guys were mentioning, too, about the mini-dome. I thought that was pretty funny, too. Um, <laughs> I'm like, there's a dome within a dome. That's kind of, like, you know, ironic there. But, uh, you know, so it'll be interesting to see if the X will bring that crazy guy into it. Uh, what's that, Junior? You know, if he's going to be, like, the fourth person they're going to need for the hand. And then, the, you know, for the ones who have the seizures and all. And keep saying the pink stars are falling. And how it related to, like, the guy's mother had painted a picture of him, like you guys mentioned. So, uh... It's just gonna like drive me bananas, but uh, I do like the two kids in it, especially like I said, the kid who plays um, Joe. I think the kid's name was uh, Colin Ford. Came from Miami, like I said, Supernatural. Hey guys, woohoo! <laughs> he played young Sam uh, Winchester in that show, and Nor Nori's okay too, you know, in that. And still gotta get used to the guy's name Barbie in the show, but what can you do? But uh, all in all, that's been okay also as well to have like as a mince summer f filler until like all these other shows start which I'm dying for 
And also, no one's funny too, I can't believe it, that this summer, I actually got two people to actually start watching Supernatural all of a sudden. I'm like, what, after nine seasons, almost nine seasons, now it's going to start in October. I, I, I got two people, and I'm like, especially my friend, who I keep trying to tell her to keep watch, get, get watching it, because it's been really, really good. And, and she started finally watching it this summer. I'm like, really? After nine seasons, you're finally watching it? I'm like, hey, at least you're finally watching it, so... Right on with you. But uh, what can I do? You know, it's like, just be crazy. But the, the, the net. And I've seen, you know, several movies over the summer also as well. Uh, I really liked R.I.P.D., the one that was starring Ryan, Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Daniels. That was really funny. You know, it kind of surprised me with that. And I saw Pacific Rim twice. I thought that was really good, actually. It actually was even better the second time around. And, uh, got to see Superman, and then, you know, I could understand where you guys were coming from, too, with that. You know, saying how, like, you know, especially with the moral ground, like, how he killed Zod. And, you know, why he couldn't just put him back into, like, that, you know, mirror world. Like, how he, how he was, like, in the second movie, but, you know, what could we do? And, plus, like, kind of irked me, too, like, how fast, like, uh, Lois Lane kind of, like, found out about who he is, maybe, possibly, and still knows. But, uh, you know, little things like that was like, eh. but the guy I thought was pretty good as it. I mean, he did a pretty good job. And I did like seeing all of the rest of, um, you know, Krypton there too with the other world and uh, Russell Crowe as his father. I thought he did a good job in that instead of like, you know, I love Lane Miz, but I'm like, he was much better as a uh, Jor-El. So that, and, you know, ugh. And what can we do about the big news of this weekend, guys, about the, Ben Affleck as being the new Batman. <laughs> I'm kind of linked with uh, Emma on that one. With like Christian Bell was the way better one this time because I don't know how he's gonna do. Because I'm like I never really care for any of his movies really. Um, like the only one I really liked him in was was that biopic he did of like George Reeves, and I'm like on. You know, it's supposed to be Superman versus Batman. I'm only worried that he's gonna get the crap beat out of him. Sorry about the language. You know, in this movie from Superman. Um, and, and, and only if they would pick Jim Parsons to play the Riddler in this one from The Big Bang Theory, that would be hysterical. I, I, I would be like, oh my god, that would be the price of admission right there. You know, so I'm like, uh, I would make up for Ben Affleck being Batman. That's my opinion. But, uh, and uh, what else I've seen? I also got to see uh, the moral, the mortal instrument over the weekend without even knowing anything really about it and I actually really quite liked it I mean it actually made me want to go and read the book series so um, like overall I thought that was a pretty cool movie and what else did I see uh I saw Wolverine also I know I once loved Hugh Jackman you know but there was one or two scenes where I wasn't too sure about like how kids would handle that movie even I kind of had to cover my eyes at certain moments too but uh, I look forward more to uh, the X-Men and uh, Thor. Woohoo! Recently I had gotten to see two animated movies I rented on DVD and on iTunes. And like, I got to see uh, the Justice League uh, Flashpoint Paradox. I'm like, I thought that was okay, you know, that was pretty good. There were some parts I really didn't care for too much, but then there were other parts I really did, especially the whole, you know, storyline with Batman and whatnot, you know, and like... Yeah, I was getting a little, like, out there with, like, all the fighting and stuff and that. But overall, I thought they did a good job. And then the other one I saw was uh, 
Superman Unbound. I like that a whole lot better than the Flashpoint one. But, uh, you know, cut. And so it was almost like, you know, I could see how they could, like, continue it from the movie kind of thing. And I also like seeing a lot of Supergirl in it. That was really good. And, uh, you know, I thought they did a whole, you know, good job with that whole point of it. Like, with, you know, with Candor, City of Candor. And, like, those two movies were really good so far. I also wanted to mention those two. Uh, other than that, I'm trying to think of what else I was... <laughs> forgot. But anyway, till then, till next time, bye-bye. Jen, thank you so much for calling in and giving us your thoughts. Let's run down through this list here of some different things that she's talking about. So, um, I guess first, let's talk about her being the supernatural correspondent. Right. She has been an advocate as far as, as, far as I can remember. She's always been a lover of supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that she's kind of, you know, drawing friends into it and being an advocate for it. I've always wanted to watch a show, and I'm going to confess, I've never watched one single episode of Supernatural. Yeah, I can't say that I have either. However, um, I did notice a while back it is it is available on Netflix. And so I don't know how many seasons of it is available on Netflix, but I did put my queue. So, yeah. Do you remember that one dance that was popular just like I, like five months ago? Where they're like people are just dancing, it's kind of the Harlem Shake, right? Yeah. I saw the only thing I watched Supernatural is Har- Supernatural did a Harlem Shake. So these two guys are kind of out in the middle of the road, the two of the main characters, and the one guy just starts doing the whole Harlem Shake, and then the next scene when they cut, everyone's dancing from the crew, and there's this body bag in the middle, kind of lurching back and forth, and, you know, <laughs> doing the Harlem Shake. And that's all. I, that's that's the only thing I've ever watched with Supernatural, mm-hmm. and I've wanted to watch Supernatural. I mean, Christopher Heyerdahl's in it, sure. Trisha Helfer's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and thousand one other people have been in the show. Right, it's, it's like it's like stringing out a whole bunch of sci-fi notables. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and um, I just haven't taken the time. Sorry, Jen, love you, but no, I, I just haven't made the time to do it. It'll be interesting. I mean, they're in season nine, so I'll be interested to see if they get a season ten. I just remember at far point this past year that one of their panels it was called uh, Supernatural. Is eight enough? Yeah. But and no, it, it was not because uh, they renewed nine. it to season nine. Right, so right. who knows? Hey, I guess as long as the actors are in it, as long as it's bringing in enough viewers, CW, right? Sure. As long as it's bringing in enough viewers for CW, and CW, you don't need a, you don't need the numbers that Fox is expecting or, to be yeah, on or CW. the other big networks, right? Uh, besides, they have Arrow to kind of carry a little bit, so, mm-hmm. oh, and maybe yeah. the new uh, Flash. TV oh yeah, series. yeah. So the new Flash TV series. Uh, I have a little bone to pick with her though about M being the voice of the Sci-Fi Diner. You and I have been the voices for the last four years. Yeah, yeah, it did. You know what? M comes like steamrolling on about 10 episodes ago, and suddenly, oh, M's the voice. No. Maybe she said the female voice. I'm taking it too personally. But no, I, I, we are very grateful that M is a part of this. A- absolutely. The fact that we have a regular female core, you know, female co-host, uh, I feel that we're... It's it keeps kind of, us in line. It, well, we're, 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 we're almost cooler now. I mean, it's like you, you, you hang out with your geek friends playing... Dungeons and Dragons or, or, you know, Star Wars or Star Trek trivia, you're not going to find many girls come to those sort of things. Are you saying that she's like Penny? She's kind of like our Penny. Kind of like our Penny? Yeah. Yeah, A little bit? bit. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, So so which which other Big Bang character are you? Oh, probably Raj. And and who am I being that I've never ever watched a single episode of Big Bang? Well, listeners, why don't you... you, um, See, see what you think. Which of uh, the four guys would, would Scott be uh, yeah. more like? So, yeah. So who am I on mm-hmm. the Big Bang Theory? And don't anyone say Penny, all right? That's <laughs> M's role. But, uh, yeah. 
Uh, so Falling Skies, you know, she's, you know, we kind of been dogging this a little bit, especially this finale, the whole, you know, raise white flag type thing that we were talking about in the last episode. And then shoot them. Yeah, and then shoot them. Yeah, a little bit underhanded. She's liking this more in Defiance. Um, she said that Falling Skies kind of reminded her a little bit about the ending of the original V. Mm-hmm. But uh, what, what I didn't watch the original VR. I, well, here's my scene. I remember I was I must have been about ten or eleven when the original V was, was on, and my dad had this little small TV we had up in like the mountains of Potter County, Pennsylvania, in the middle of nowhere, and you got like one station, and that station was airing V, and hmm. all I remember is the one guy eating the mouse. Oh, okay. And mouse my parents seems. turned it off, so you know, so <laughs> I, that's all I watched of the original V. But so, what do you think about what she's saying here? Your yeah. minds are the original V. I'm not. I'm having a hard time drawing comparisons with that. Uh, the only thing, I mean, in the original V, in the, in the first miniseries, the human resistance did try to reach out to other aliens for help, but you know, no other, no other aliens showed up, so they just dealt with, the human resistance had to f- fight the visitors on their own, where in this you have the humans having help from this other group of aliens. Um, yeah, I'm not... Yeah, I, I'm having a hard time. Dr- I, I really think Falling Skies is its own thing. Um, yeah, but I mean, it, I, I you know, I, I've I've loved Falling Skies the last few seasons. I just think myself and others just felt the writing this season just has not been as strong. Um, and and not not that there have been some really good episodes, there have been, but just as a whole, I, I just think this has been a weaker season. So I'm hoping. It, 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 did, it did get renewed for next for next year. I'm hoping they'll maybe make this its last season. Try try to really go out strong, wrap things up, and um, you know five five seasons in any sci-fi series these days is, is good. So if if they, if they could wrap it up next year, I think it'd be good. Yeah, and you know her complaint really about defiance is she just got irritated by the attitude that Alyssa had toward Nolan, mm-hmm. you know his adopted daughter. Being that she's kind of this other alien race, mm-hmm. um, but you know what? I, I kind of, I kind of liked it. I mean, I guess, I guess I come from the perspective. My daughter is Haitian, right? I absolutely love her dearly, and I can identify. I can, I can. You know, there's times where I can see this this conflict of who am I? What does it mean to be me? And you don't understand because you are not me and you're not a my people type thing. My daughter's never done that, by the way. But there are, but I can understand that feeling, where that comes from. Mm-hmm. And so this was believable to me. Sure. I mean, you, you have this girl who is, I guess, probably now in her early 20s now. But, you know, I mean, I mean, she loves Nolan, her adoptive father. But at the same time, she still feels a connection to her people. And so there's going to be, unfortunately, her people are basically these these uh, the, 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 this, this biker gang, and so maybe not the best element, I guess. Yeah, you, steampunk biker gang. Yeah. Really. It's, it's, so yeah, I can understand as Nolan as a father, maybe not being thrilled that she's hanging out with, you know, the the, the lead. These less but, savory characters, I, I, like he's so savory to begin with. So well, yeah, it, it, exactly. But so I, I find the conflict believable. Yeah, she's a little bratty at times, but it doesn't bother me. Yeah, you know, uh, I I loved how she said these hookers are upstanding citizens. Not the first time we've seen this. Oh right. I mean, we have Serenity and I'm trying to think about anything else. Uh, yeah. But uh, well, yeah. It, this 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 the one thing this show is at what nine ten o'clock at night. So. Yeah. 
they can kind of get away with push the lines a little, push bit. the envelope a little bit. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes in the whole, uh, you know, the Alyssa Nolan relationship mm-hmm. is the opening scene of Defiance when they're um, they're driving along and you hear a little bit of Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. You know, I have I have actually the scene here, and it's just absolutely one of my favorite scenes. Honestly, don't know if they just mimicked that or if they actually sang it, but it was really good. You kind of it, it kind of sets up their relationship. It does, mm-hmm. it does, because she's kind of sulking at that point, and they kind of get him singing, and it's kind of it really kind of it does. It sets up the relationship. It's you a, said it very well. It's a slightly dysfunctional, but you could tell. You know, they they, they still they still love each other. Let's talk under the dome. She mm-hmm. mentioned that she's she likes it for being kind of the midsummer show that it is, but. There's been some polarization going on with Under the Dome. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, Jim Arrowood, I just saw him put on Facebook, said, you know, this is uh, not, I, I'm not loving this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to stick with it. And he blamed kind of uh, the Under the Dome radio podcast for helping him stick with it mm-hmm. um, in a good way. And by the way, if you are loving Under the Dome, you've got to check out Wayne and Troy's, uh, you know, Under the Dome radio podcast because they do a great job of breaking it down. Um but he's just not liking where it's going. Hmm. Now, are you caught up? Uh, yes, I am caught up. And, and how are you feeling about Under the Dome? <clears throat> well, I'll have to, you know, I, I did read part of what Jim said. I didn't find it. I mean, think, I mean, definitely the, the you know what hit the fan, la, you know, last episode. What uh, are you talking about, Miles? <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, but uh, – it's it, it's moving along. Um, you had this side conflict. I mean, between you, you had Jim and you had Barbie against uh, Maxine. You weren't sure how long that thing could last. Well, that thing resolved itself. You know, last episode. Oh, well, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to with what two episodes left. You need to begin resolving some stuff. Right, but now, um, you know, Big Jim. He he sort of looks like he's smelling like a rose and. And Barbie doesn't uh, at the end, but we we, we know we, we know we're we're like, like I said before in a show like this you see will this bring out the best in people or the worst in people and in in Barbie's case I think a case can be made that it's bring out the best in people I mean he he was basically this uh, this this mobster enforcer for people who weren't paying their debts off and obviously he wanted to get out of that life and uh he's trying to change and do the right thing and and, and this being in this situation lets him do so and, and big jim is you know he's found a way to make himself sort of you know make himself the king of this this little hill or the, the big, be the big fish of this, uh, this little pond but uh yeah. king of the dome king, king of the dome yeah yeah <laughs> so so, um, and, you know, honestly, Jen likes the show only because young Sam from Supernatural's in it, the guy that plays Joe. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, there's really only one reason. So mm-hmm. we know we know the truth, Jen. We know the truth. 
Um, and she as much said so. But, mm-hmm. uh, as far as movies goes, uh, she is liking R.I.P.D., a movie that we talked about. I haven't seen. It is on my Netflix queue. You want to see that one? Oh, of course. I would love to see that. It just Come on, Jeff Bridges. It was just uh, looks like a good movie. It look, looks like a fun movie. Just couldn't do it this summer. So, yeah, wait till it's available. Yeah, Pacific Rim saw it twice, so she liked that one. Um, she was following our discussion about Man of Steel and understands our whole morality debate we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, her issue is that Lois Lane found out way too dang fast, in, in her opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But she liked Russell Crowe better than uh, his role in Les Miserables. Comments on that? I I have to agree with her. <laughs> you know, Russell Crowe and Kevin Costner both had some really iconic roles and did really. They were they were. It was almost like these roles were just well written for them, and they they carried them out beautifully. Well, a case could be made for Robin Hood for Kevin Costner, whether he was the best choice for that or not. But right, well, <laughs> yes, and, and you know, you kind of look at you kind of look and say, well. Um, you certainly, you know, I saw Les Miserables, and I agree that Russell Crowe did not pull that off, but he was just being Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe talks the same way in every single movie you ever see him in. Exactly. He, he basically plays himself, in, and I hate to right. say that, but uh, yeah, I, I really thought he was... That's like talking about Keanu Reeves. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Plays, plays himself. Uh, Wolverine, on the other hand, hands down, knocked out of the park as far as Jean Valjean, in my opinion. Hugh, yeah, Hugh Jackman definitely as an actor, he's got more range. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, uh, but, but I, but I did like Russell Crowe as Jor-El in Superman. Oh yeah, in, in so Jor-El, yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Javert, not so much. Not so much. Not no. so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, talking about superheroes, we got to talk a little bit about uh, this whole Ben Affleck announcement. She had to bring this up without M. I was going to wait to talk about this till M came on board, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ben Affleck as Batman? Yeah, I was really surprised when I heard this. And we had just got done recording the day before mm-hmm. about this whole Christian Bale thing. I aired it anyways, but uh, Ben Affleck? <laughs> yeah, at first I, I was shocked and, 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 and a bit disappointed, but I'm going to ho- really wait and see. if Maybe he could pull it off. I don't know. It's It's hard to say. You know what? He certainly has the acting chops to do so. And there's could be a case to say like movies like Daredevil, which I think is the only superhero movie you really saw him in, right? Right. right. Uh, that that was not necessarily a fault of Ben Affleck, but more of scripting. Maybe. Not, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's been a while since I did watch it. It's mm-hmm. been a long time, and obviously it's kind of forgettable. We are not following the Christian Bale storyline. Yeah, and did, depending yeah. who you get as Lex Luthor... Mm-hmm. If you get as that one fan that one fan trailer put together the guy from Breaking Bad to do it, mm-hmm. oh, he'd be an awesome Lex. Oh, he would be a fantastic Lex. But Brian Cranston, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, if you haven't seen it, go on to YouTube, look up fan trailer for Superman versus Batman, and you'll see that it's it's pretty rocking. I will have to check it out. You will. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've spliced it together beautifully mm-hmm. and got plenty, plenty of reviews. And Wolverine not being a kids movie, seriously. You, you think? <laughs> you, you, you doubted that from the get go. I, I saw the previews and knew it was a kid. No, it wasn't kids movie. None of the Wolverine movies have been. No, uh, even the X Men. I wouldn't say the X Men were kids movie. Mm-hmm. You know, my son had an astute observation about Wolverine. What did, what did he observe? He said that Wolverine is the most disenchanted. He didn't use the word disenchanted, but he said basically he said the most disenchanted and unhappiest superhero around. That's a very uh, astute observation. Yeah, because we watched we watched Wolverine versus the Hulk, mm-hmm. and uh, it was the an animated one. He said, "You know, 
Wolverine's just not very happy. He's cool, but he's not happy. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty much the case. Um, and it made, me, it, made me, it made me think, I mean, how many of our superheroes are truly happy? I think um, Flash. Flash is kind of happy-go-lucky. Yeah. Maybe Superman is a little more happy, well-adjusted. Batman, not, not so, so much. much. No, no, he does it. But he's not a he's not happy. Hawk certainly not happy. And, uh, no, um, a Wolverine not happy, and and that's part of what makes them interesting and part of who they are is that they have this burden to bear. Yeah. So that but that that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> it is. Uh, she watched some other animation. We talked about Flashpoint Paradox, the uh, Superman Unbound. Did you watch that? I saw Superman Unbound. I haven't seen uh, Flashpoint Paradox yet. I want to see it. We we talked about it about a month or so ago. So tons of Supergirl in uh, Superman Unbound? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've not seen a lot of Supergirl. Mm-hmm. She's, she's kind of uh, one that's looked over a little bit. She's more, I mean, a secondary character in... In the DC universe, I mean, I, I guess there are some comics that might be devoted to just her, but usually it's she's with Superman or with the Justice League or something. Right, right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. I know we spent a long time on Jen's uh, voicemail here, um, but we do appreciate her calling in. Um, let's go ahead and move into uh, this. Is really related to Batman, and then we have Colin's thoughts on Under the Dome. We'll just do a uh, Damien's write up. Do you want to read what Damien wrote? Sure. Um, Miles Scott and uh, dun, dun, dun. Dun M. So, <laughs> okay, seemed like I struck a chord with this one. To be clear, I didn't say that I didn't like Bale as Batman. He was great in the part, but story-wise, it, it just was a bit cop-out. In the third film, a fair part of the story was Bruce Wayne talking to Blake about Batman as an ideal. Anyone could be Batman and heck. Uh, and Bruce Bruce Wayne fakes his own death and using the, the clean slate for Selena to say they could go, could go have lunch in Paris waiting for Alfred to see them and, and leave before drinking his own coffee. Bruce leaving uh, Blake or Robin a map to the Batman, allowing him to become the, the next Batman. So story-wise, if you were to, take, to have a Batman for the Nolan universe, the upcoming uh, Bats uh, Soups film, then you'd have to have a, a, a Blake's Batman since uh, Bruce Wayne gave up the job. So I hope that cleared up a little. Besides, it's rather a mute point now that Affleck cast in the role, so you can see that, that, that they're going to do another direction. I still think it's too early to have another Batman only. What, two years since the last film? Come on, Hollywood. Man of Steel should have its own sequel. So he he's certainly not into having Batman mm-hmm. uh, following it up, and he's not done yet, but we're going to kind of break here in his, in his little email here. He's not into seeing Batman having its own uh, follow-up. Um, I, I assume he's also talking about this with Superman. He thinks Superman should have its own standalone film before you bring in Batman Superman. Uh, yeah, when we talked about it before, and I think we're all in agreement about that one. But uh, that's what we're getting. And to be honest, I'm kind of looking forward to it because we haven't really seen this in the big screen. Uh, I'm, I'm still going to be there, yeah. Yeah. And I also think it's too early to say that Affleck's not going to do the job. We're going to need to see some trailers before we can actually... Exactly. We're, it, I'm going to be... Cautiously optimistic he could pull it off. And honestly, he does make a good point. There's a lot of ways Christian Bale kind of worked him wet, worked his way out of Batman in the last movie. Oh, true. Yeah. So, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to continue reading? He's so, also talking about Elysium. So, he saw just saw Elysium. I really enjoyed it. Visuals are great. Uh, Charlton Copley was, was fantastically evil. I could see what people were... Uh, umming about with Jodie Foster's accent, but she was uh, speaking French and living on a space station. So I'll let that slide. 
Speaking of bad accents, the two Australians at Pacific Rim. Yikes. I've all heard worse, but some parts and the others in the cinema were cringing. However, it was nice to see Sydney getting destroyed instead of uh, L.A. and uh, New York like at every other Hollywood blockbuster. That's all for now. Have a good one, Damien. Thank you, Damien. And it's always nice to see other cities getting destroyed. Although I love killing New York. Come on. No, New York is my hometown. I, uh, it, 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 why do you think I like killing New York? Oh, no, oh you like no, to stick it to me. I see. Stick it to you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, Elysia, people are talking about Elysium here, and I, I, I kind of have to see this, mm-hmm. and I haven't. So it's, I, I, it should be in my Netflix queue, but I kind of want to see it. So, um, but thanks, Damien, for uh, writing in and giving us your thoughts, and, uh, and we'll make sure M hears this. So, oh, yeah. Your <laughs> evil laughter there. Um, uh, two other uh, pieces of feedback. Let's uh, hear from Colin here as he talks about Under the Dome. Colin, of course, comes hails from the Trek News and Views, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Greetings, Sci-Fi Diner. It's Colin from England. Um, Under the Dome, or The Dome, wherever it was called, I can't remember, started here on Monday. Yes, I know, behind the curveball again. But still, better late than never. So I thought I'd send in my thoughts as we watched the pilot. Now, I like the way that it, the dome landed, I suppose, it's one way of putting it. I thought the excellent special effects, like the cow getting cut in half and stuff like that, was brilliant. I love the way that, you know, later on the truck ploughed into it. Uh, although I did think it was kind of weird how the truck ploughed into it and stayed still, because normally when you hit something, you bounce back. Obviously some property of the dome that keeps it like that. Um, there was one or two things that bothered me. I kind of knew from the off that the councillor was going to be a bad guy. These very stereotypical. There was a lot of stereotypical characters like the, the, the henchman, the mobster, whatever he is, the hitman, who's basically got a heart of gold. He's very cliche. Uh, I thought the fact that the psycho in the piece called Bambi was hysterical. Yeah, Psycho, yeah, Bambi. Okay, that's really, that's the best name you could come up with for your Psycho, Bambi. But there was another thing that, like, that bothers me is this dome is soundproof, therefore it's airtight, therefore why is no one worried about the lack of air that could inevitably happen inside the dome? Yes, I know there's trees inside the dome, but, you know, there has to be a certain amount of trees to provide a certain amount of oxygen. And then you've got the carbon dioxide that will build up inside the dome. And I know it's a big dome, so there's a lot of air in it, so it's not an immediate problem. And also, what did no one try to dig under it? You know, the military turned up, they got the spacesuits on, then they got the scanners out, and no one thought to bring a shovel? Really? You know? First thing I would have done, see if we can dig under it. And if I was inside the dome, the first thing on my mind would have been, have we got enough air? Never mind the bloody petroleum. Yeah, that'd be good when the petroleum goes up and consumes all the oxygen to feed the fire. Yeah, cool. But um, I'm going to stick with it. It's got some some promise, but if, if it's cliched TV, then I probably won't. So, and I've managed to stay spoiler-free, thanks to the, the prior warnings given on your show. So, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Anyway, until next time, guys, live long and podcast, and I'll speak to you soon. Okay, um... First of all, Colin, thank you so much for calling in. And I'm glad that you at least they finally got the show over there. Yeah, finally, yeah, finally. And uh, it is it's obvious that he's only watched the first episode because mm-hmm. some of the questions that he's bringing up about 
digging under the dome and um, whether the dome being permeable and stuff are answered in subsequent episodes. Right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil it mm-hmm. just to say that you're going to get answers to some of your questions there. Um, I think you're a bit mixed up with the psycho being Bambi because that's not, that is actually the hitman. That's and, and, Barbie, yeah. Uh, Barbie. Mm-hmm. And who, yeah, sorry, did I say Bambi? He, he, said, he said Bambi, yeah. He said Bambi, but mm-hmm. Barbie. And what's the, who's the psycho character? Uh, the, they call him Junior. He's, Junior, he's Big yeah. Jim's son. Yeah, Big Jim's son, Junior. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, totally. Uh, I'm glad that you got it. You're getting a chance to see the show. And I didn't feel like I, I only watched up to episode three. I haven't had time to watch the rest, and I kind of want to. Um, but I did not feel it was cliched per se. I mean, there are, I understand what you're saying. There's some cliched characters. Mm-hmm. Like Big Jim's kind of comes off as a cliched council salesman. Kind right. Of thing. Right. Um, and, but to me, that didn't bother me. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I'd be curious. I mean, for, for one, that this is the, this is listener feedback, so we we can spoil anything here, right? Uh, and so, just to let you know that we might spoil some stuff here. So we'll I, skip ahead. I, I mean, the, the 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 psycho, I mean, character Junior, he becomes more important to the story, and um, is he? I mean, he does a horrible thing. I mean, he basically, he basically kidnaps this girl and locks her up in, in in his fallout shelter, and that's known by the end of the first episode, anyways. Right. So, but. He, you know, he he has an interesting story arc, and he becomes more integral to the story. Is this character redeemable? I mean, is, are we going to see him, you know, change and be good? Um, so there's, it, it could go either way with him. Yeah. So I, 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 yeah, the big Jim character, yeah, yeah, he's cliche. I could definitely, I agree with you there. I think the other character, you know, some of the other characters, maybe not so much. Anyways, looking forward to hearing more of your thoughts as you continue your journey of watching Under the Dome, Colin, giving us your thoughts and uh, your opinions, because it's fresh, it's different than what we've been hearing, and it's totally awesome. So great great to hear from you, Colin. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up with this one note. We're going to wrap up with a note that's a little bit uh, more somber, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I saw Dayton Ward posted this on Facebook earlier. Um an author that you know I, I know, and many you know Star Trek and, and other sci-fi uh, um, uh, f- literature fans know Ann Crispin. Well, she's been struggling with cancer, and not she's not doing so good. So she put this on Facebook, and I'm just going to read read what she posted. Um, so I've been he- this is this is a, this is Ann uh, talking. To, I've been hesitant to make this post, but it's now I, I want to thank you all for your good wishes and prayers. I fear my condition is deteriorating. I, I am doing the best I can to be positive, but I probably don't have an awful lot of time left. I want you to all know that I, I'm receiving excellent care and I'm surrounded by family and friends. I wish you all, all aspiring writers that will, will finish and. Uh, and a good contract. Please continue to monitor writer beware and be careful who you sign with. Victoria Strauss and Richard White are there to help. I've asked uh, Michael to collect and, and read me your messages. I don't know how how, how things will proceed. I don't know if uh, I'll have the, the strength to post on Facebook again. So um, that's how she, she ended it. Um, I had the chance to meet Ann Crispin back in 89 at a con um, and I'm trying to remember where it was in Pennsylvania, but uh, she was a guest. George Decay was a guest. It was my first con. I met her, and she was fantastic. And we, we've had a chance to see her over the years at Farport absolutely, and yeah, Shirley. Even uh, she, she, one thing that she participated, she participated in a lot of the panels for aspiring writers, and so you know that was great. You know, she she she's always encouraging the next generation of writers to come on board. Exactly, and. Yeah. 
So um, I, 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 this is the comment I, I had put on. I just uh, some of you have heard of sci-fi author Anne Christman. Uh, she's written some really good Star Trek and V novels, as well as her own original work. Um, got the sad news from Dayton Ward about her. I, I just ask you to keep her in your thoughts and prayers. She was one of the authors who, who got me into reading V and Star Trek and just helped me just enjoy reading for its own enjoyment. Uh, Rachel Oliver had posted, uh, that's so sad. I enjoyed her Han Solo trilogy. I'll have to pick up some more Star Trek and V novels. So, um, uh, so yeah, l- l- listeners, if, you, if you've enjoyed some of her work or, you know, just, you know, just keep her in your thoughts and prayers during this time. It's, it's always sad when we, a writer we know in uh, this thing we love, uh, we know is, is probably going to pass on soon. Yeah, so uh, keep her in your thoughts, and we hope, if there's any way of recovery, that she has that. So. Sure, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us here in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, the Listener Feedback Show, and we miss you. Please come back soon. And, yes, um, please do. And, uh, but thank you so much for joining us. If you have any thoughts, comments, shows that you're looking forward to as this new season kind of creeps up on us, I know I'm looking forward to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the one with uh, James Spader, The Blacklist. Those are the two shows I'm looking forward to, I think. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to Almost Tomb with Carl Urban. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. How, how could I forget that? Those are the three shows I mm-hmm. think I'm going to be uh, uh, buying in Apple iTunes. I wonder when they're going to be out. i got to remember to buy them. So um, um, Almost Tomb is, is in November. Oh, so I got a little bit. You got a while, yeah, yeah. while for that one. But, mm-hmm. but the other two have to be coming out soon. Yeah, so, uh, hopefully this month. Yeah, so I can't wait for that. So mm-hmm. let us know what you're watching, what you're into, your thoughts, what books you're reading. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I believe that's it. So till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, Flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at scifidinerpodcast.com.